This is the best wine that you've ever, that you could have served. You usually serve the good wine first and bring out the not so good wine later. Verse 10 in, in John chapter 2, since it's right before us, I'm going to read it. And he saith unto them, Every man at the beginning did set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Why was it such good wine? Because God is the giver of all good things. Because the creator of the grape made it. It doesn't get any better than that. So Mary trusted Jesus. So today, we are going to be talking about Mother's Day. And specifically, um, I want to talk about uh, one mother in particular, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, my dad pointed out to me this morning that Mary is mentioned in Acts chapter 1. I believe it's verse 12. So I'm just going to read that this morning to begin our time together. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. This is, I believe, a summation of the people that were waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell the believers. I think it was, I'm just going to start reading with verse 8 because... Jesus is giving the directive. He says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and received, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel. And he said, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is take up, taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then return unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is, Jerusalem, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were in the upper room, when they were come in, they went into the upper room where abode Peter, James, and John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Then they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. So we have Mary waiting in the upper room with the disciples. And I just wanted to use that by way of introduction to present the fact that Mary was faithful to follow God even when she didn't understand the full implications of what was going on. So I have four four points that I'd like to make about Mary this morning which should encourage you as a mother. So the first one is found in 
Luke 1, 47. And in Luke 1, we of course have, first of all, uh, Zacharias is talked to about the fact that John the Baptist will come from him, even though he's past the time of childbearing. And then the angel goes to Mary and tells her, you will have a son. And even though she is surprised by this, she um, is obedient, which we will get into next. But the first thing I want to point out is in Luke one forty seven it says this, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So this is Mary after Elizabeth says, How good is it that the mother of my Lord has come to see me? And Mary says, I'm just going to read a few verses surrounding this. It says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He had shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud of them in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from the seats, from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers Abraham and to his seed forever. So in this whole Magnificat, as it's called. Mary never once talks about how great she is. As a matter of fact, she says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She knew that she needed a Savior. She also knew that she was in a low estate, that she was God's handmaiden. And so the first way that godly motherhood is modeled by Mary is that she wasn't perfect. Sometimes we can get the wrong idea that Mary was chosen by God because she was perfect. But what does he say? What does she say? He, she says his mercy is on them that fear him. Mary feared God. And we know that because when the angel appeared to Mary, she obeyed. So I want to encourage you, mothers, that it's not perfection that your kids are looking for. It's simply someone dedicated to the Lord Jesus. And those who are dedicated to the Lord Jesus will realize their imperfections and reach out to God as a result. Paul said, the things that I would do, those I do not And the things that I would not do, those things I do. And then he says, but praise be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Mary was not someone that was holy in and of herself, but she feared God and God chose her for this special mission. 
I wonder if we might look by way of cross-reference at the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. The book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. This is a story about another imperfect woman, but someone who is dedicated to God. And it showed through to Boaz. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto them, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing that I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and uh, the land of nativity and are coming to or unto a people which thou knowest not hitherto fall. The Lord recompense thy work and full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel unto those things thou art come to trust. So Ruth isn't being allotted here for being perfect. She's being lauded here because she told Naomi in Ruth chapter 1, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. Your God will be my God. She told Naomi this, and then she lived it out. So, again, the biggest thing that you can do as a mother is to live out the truth of the Almighty God that we serve. And again, you don't live it out by perfection. You live it out by constant reliance upon God. And I'm thankful to have a mother who has relied on God daily and has shown me what it means to rely on and serve God. My parents have been through a lot. They have experienced the fact that their firstborn son, myself, was born and as a result of his birth was at, was given the opportunity to deal with profound disability. And then several years later, they did something that no one should ever have to do and that's bury their own children. But my parents have shown me through those times that under the wings of Jesus is the best place to be. And so I hope that Mary and Ruth are both encouragements to you that you can take refuge under the wings of Almighty God. Remember Jesus said to the people of Israel, How often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. That call from Jesus is still going out today. He still wants to gather people to himself, but they spit in his face and turn their back from him. But he still says, whosoever will may come. But you know, it's not you or I that brings people to Jesus. We can tell people about Jesus, and we should. 
But no man comes unto Jesus except God the Father draws him. Those are Jesus' own words on the issue. God said it, and I believe it. Vicki Courtney said this. She said, God is not looking for perfect mothers to raise perfect daughters. And I added or sons because I think this is applicable across the gender lines. God is not looking for perfect mothers to raise perfect daughters or sons. He is looking for imperfect mothers who are raising imperfect daughters or sons in an imperfect world and desperately dependent on a perfect God for the results. Because we serve a perfect God, you can be the mother that your children need. Do not be deceived. Also, do not be deceived by a world that tells you that motherhood is less than. There are too many people here that would, in the world that would say, what, you're just a mother? There is no such thing as just a mother. Whenever I hear someone say that, I cringe because it's the farthest thing from the truth. It's because of my mother who prayed for me daily that I'm preaching today. And it's because of my mother that there are many different families seeking to serve the Lord and to raise children in the nurture and admonition of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Never say that you are just a mother. Okay, let's look at Luke one thirty-eight for our second point. Luke one thirty-eight. The first thing we learned about Mary is that she wasn't perfect. The second thing we learned about Mary is that she's obedient. You know, sometimes it's confusing at first blush to read about Zacharias and find out that he was struck dumb because he didn't believe the angel but Mary wasn't but God knows the earnestness of our questions and so I don't think it's wrong for questions to be asked and then um, Luke one thirty eight. I'm again going to read a couple verses with this to give it a little bit of context. The angel Gabriel is speaking to Mary, and he says, "And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible." And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary gets this news that she's going to have a baby. And she says, I haven't been with a man. How is this going to be? And the angel details how it's going to be. And her response is, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Now Mary knew that, no doubt knew that there would be a difficult conversation with her parents, a difficult conversation with Joseph, and no one would have faulted her if she said, God, can we rethink this? 
what's going on here, God, but she doesn't. She simply says, let it be according to your word. She believes God. Again, not a perfect person, but someone who believes God and endeavors to be obedient to what he has said. So the second thing, lesson to learn from Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus, is to be obedient. And um, I think we all can learn the lesson of obedience. God will often give us something to do. Then he'll make it impossible for us to do it. And then when he does it anyway, he gets all the glory. That's the God that you and I serve. And sometimes I have doubts. And sometimes you have doubts. But we need to be reminded that the God who is here in Luke chapter 1 is here today at Howland Gospel Chapel. Because in Hebrews it tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means an important thing to know about Jesus, he didn't become the Son of God when he was born of Mary. No, he was somewhere with the Father in eternity past. And they sat down and had a discussion of some sort about how they were going to redeem the world. And it was decided that Jesus would come and be born of a woman so that he could crush the serpent's head. What a wonderful thing to think about. That God was thinking about us before the foundations of the world. He had redemption on his mind. Can we look at Proverbs 31.30? Proverbs 31.30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. This is what I'm praying for in my life. Is that God will bring me a woman who fears the Lord. But I'm thankful to have been raised by a woman that fears the Lord. And I will also add that a cheerful, contented countenance that is at peace with God adds beauty to someone. Because God's ultimately ultimate goal for us is that we would have peace with him and when we have our minds stayed on Jesus as it says in Isaiah then we will be at perfect peace Sadhu Sundar Singh said from the time of my earliest memories she impressed upon me one rule above all others when I woke from sleep My first duty was to pray to God for spiritual nourishment and blessings. My mother would never relent. She planted in me and tended in my early life a profound love and fear of God. And as amazing and as 
mind-bending as it seems, I'm sure that Mary in some way, as time went on and she's pondering all this stuff in her heart, is teaching the young Jesus about where he came from and about what the angel said and all the things that happened when he was growing inside her and then when he was born. And I'm sure she is encouraging him in her way to follow God. We don't know much about his childhood, but we do know that when he was 12, he went to the temple with them. And when they were three days away from Jerusalem after they had done their duty there, they searched for Jesus and they couldn't find him. And they looked all over for him. And no doubt their hearts were sinking and they were like, God God gave us this huge responsibility and we lost the Son of God. What, What burden that must have been. And yet when they found Jesus, he was reasoning in the temple and talking to the leaders and talking to the Pharisees. And we don't know what they were talking about, but we just know that they marveled at his wisdom and the questions that he asked. And then his mother, with, I'm I'm sure, grief in her voice, said, Where were you, son? We were looking for you. Your father and I were worried. And Jesus said, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I think what he was saying to them is that if you realized my responsibility, you could have saved all these days of searching because you should have known that the temple is where I'd be. Later when he grew and started his ministry and again when he ended it, he said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Jesus wanted to be in his father's house. But as I said, Mary was obedient. And I'm sure she was puzzled by this. But Jesus went back with them and was subject to them. And it says that he grew in favor and wisdom with God and with man. When I sometimes get frustrated with my parents, especially growing up, it helped to remember that the perfect Jesus subjected himself to imperfect parents. And I am far from the perfect Jesus. My parents have put up with a lot from me, but I'm thankful for their grace and mercy as I am for God's. So my third point is that she trusted Jesus. She trusted her son. And again, I don't think she understood the full implications of what was going to happen, but she trusted Jesus. She knew that he was the son of God because God had told her that. And so she trusted him implicitly. And we see this In John chapter 2, 
verse 5. And again, I'm going to read a few extra verses just to give us context. And the third day, chapter 2, verse 1, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And they want... And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, Mary the mother of Jesus must have felt some sort of responsibility for this wedding because somebody came to her and said, we have no wine. And where does she go? She goes to Jesus. Now, he hasn't done a public miracle yet. Uh, and, you know, I think maybe he had, he had done the miraculous catch of fish, but other than that, he hadn't done a miracle yet. And yet she believes in him she trusts him and then he says woman what have I to do with you my hour is not yet come and I think about that and I I think about the fact that he wasn't being disrespectful but he doesn't call her mother he says woman so he's distancing himself from his mother because he has a higher calling than just their earthly relationship And he says, my hour is not yet come. So does Mary storm away angrily? No. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And that's good advice for us as well here today. Is that whatsoever Jesus says to you, do it. And so the whole miracle of the wine proceeds because the servants listen to Mary and do that thing which Jesus asked them to do, which involves filling these water pots with water. And then they draw out the wine, which I believe they still believed was water right up until the time that the steward drank it. Because it clearly says that the servants knew it was water But they listen to Jesus and bring it to the steward. And the steward says, this is the best wine that you've ever, that you could have served. You usually serve the good wine first and bring out the not so good wine later. Verse 10 in in John chapter 2, since it's right before us, I'm going to read it. And he saith unto them, every man at the beginning that set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk. Then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Why was it such good wine? Because God is the giver of all good things. Because the creator of the grape made it. It doesn't get any better than that. So Mary trusted Jesus. So my encouragement to the women here, the mothers here, is to trust Jesus.
John 15, 14. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Jesus says that if we do what, what he commands us, then we're his friends. There are a lot of people who say, well, I'm a Christian, and you say, well, why are you a Christian? Well, because when I was five, six, seven, whatever the age is, I, I went forward and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. But if nothing changes in your life, then it's not real salvation because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sanctification is a process. But it is something that has begun and is not ended until the day of Jesus Christ. Incidentally, that is why I believe in the eternal security of the believer because I have never met a single baby who went from being born to being unborn. A baby is born and grows, Lord willing, into an adult, but never again becomes unborn. It's not possible. So when Jesus talks about being born again, he's talking about a one-time significant event in our lives, which is the end-all, be-all of our justification in Jesus, but the beginning of our sanctification in Jesus. And I'm thankful for a mom who loves the Lord and seeks to follow his commandments. Ruth Bell Graham said, As a mother, my job is to take care of the possible and trust God with the impossible. Take care of the possible and trust God with the impossible. God is with us every step of the way. He does not expect us to do it all alone. So to review very quickly before we go on to our final point, motherhood modeled by Mary, the mother of Jesus, she wasn't perfect. She was a simple country girl who obviously feared God, but was a humble maidservant, nothing more. She was obedient to Jesus, to God himself. When God said, you are going to be the mother of the Son of God, she said, let it be according to your word. She didn't put conditions on it. And the third point, she trusted Jesus. She believed that he would do what was best. She didn't badger him about creating the wine or doing something about the situation, she simply turned to the servants and says, whatever he says to you, do it. 
And I'm thankful for a mother who has said that to me. The fourth and final point this morning, she stood by his side to the end. My mother has been with me through my happiest times, through my darkest times. She sat by my bed for hours when I was in the hospital as a teenager. She has wiped my tears when I'm sad. She has smiled with me when I'm happy. She's encouraged me to spread my wings and do more. She's always been one of my number one supporters and cheerleaders. And Mary, although her times with her son no doubt dwindled when he was in ministry, she stood by him to the end. You realize the scriptures tell us that all of the disciples forsook Jesus and fled, but Mary was standing there at the cross. Let's look at John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. John 19, 25 to 27. In this passage, which has been one of my favorites for a while, we see Jesus taking his responsibility as the oldest son in the Jewish culture seriously. Isn't it amazing that even as he is hanging on a cross and he is doing battle with the ultimate forces of evil for the very hearts and souls of men, that he still cares for people? He cared for the thief on the cross when no one else did. He cared for the centurion which was ordering his execution and probably held or pounded the nail. And as the centurion stood there, he was able to say eventually, surely this man was the Son of God. My hope and prayer is that he heard the end of the story. But Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, was taking immediate effect. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much, and Jesus was the ultimate righteous man. So in John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27, we read, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So all these women are standing by the cross, watching Jesus. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that very hour, the disciple took her into his own home. We don't know all the reasons why Jesus would leave Mary with John over his own brothers. You can speculate that perhaps it was because his brothers did not yet believe on him. 
course, we know that at least two of his brothers would eventually come to believe on him and become church leaders and write books of the Bible. His brother Jude and his brother James. But at this point, they did not yet believe him. And so he gives his mother to the disciple whom he loved. And that, we understand, is John, the writer of this gospel. And the disciple took her into his own home from that hour. So she was not left destitute. She was not left alone. She was cared for. So the next time you think that maybe Jesus doesn't care about what you're going through, remember that he cared for his own mother while he was on the cross. That's an important thing for us to remember and be glad for. Let's look at Luke 2.34 and 35. Luke 2.34 and 35. This, of course, is the beginning of Jesus' earthly life. And this scene by the cross was actually prophesied. Luke 2.34 and 35. I have no doubt that as she's standing at the cross, Mary is thinking of Simeon's words. Because that sword is piercing her soul. It must have been very hard for her to stand there. Because he was the Son of God. He did have a duty to save the world. But in her mind, I'm sure she still saw that baby in the manger. The one whose fingers and toes she counted. The one who she kissed on the forehead and rocked to sleep. And yet he was hanging on the cross. And there wasn't a thing that she could do to ease his pain. And I know for many of you mothers, there are times when your children go through things and you wish for all the world that you could ease their pain. But I can testify to the fact that even if you can't ease our pain, standing by us is the next best thing. The Bible tells us as a church to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the mother can certainly bear the burdens of her children. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who was born of the promise to a virgin named Mary. I believe in the love Mary gave her son that caused her to follow him in his ministry and stand by the cross and stand by his cross as he died. I believe in the love of all mothers and its importance in the lives of the children they bear. It is stronger than steel, softer than down, and more resilient than a green sapling on a hillside. It closes wounds, melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God, a dark reflection of all that we can expect from him, both in this life and the next. 
And I believe that one of the most beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets this greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with the tenderness of her touch and the tears of her joy. And that's an affirmation from John Killinger's Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise. So I hope today that you've been encouraged by these facets of the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Not perfect, just chosen and blessed. And redeemed by the son that she gave birth to. There's a song by Mark Lowry that is now one of the most popular Christmas songs of all time. And it's Mary, Did You Know? Um, I wish I knew the words so I could sing it for you. But I think um, a couple of the lines stand out. One says, Mary, did you know that this child that you delivered will soon deliver you? And then... It ends with these words. This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. What a humbling thought. To think that the great I am entered the world as a baby so that he could grow up among us. So that we could have a high priest who is familiar with our infirmities. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. I thank you for the example of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I pray for the mothers in our audience today that they would be blessed and know that they don't have to be perfect. There's no way to be a perfect mother, but there's a million ways to be a good one. And so I ask that you would guide and protect the mothers um, and protect those mothers who are expecting unborn children right now and even now forming bonds with them and loving them I just pray that you would give them a special grace today that they would know how much they are loved and valued and that you would bless them and make your face shine upon them and give them peace I pray this in Jesus name Amen